Good morning. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading 2 Corinthians 4 in the NLT. But first and always, we pray. Dear Lord, I'm really enjoying this. I, I, I think it's it's because of your presence, and your presence is joy forevermore. Um, we don't have to wait for heaven, Lord. We can. You are heaven with us. Anywhere you're at is heaven. Anywhere you're at, you make things so much better. I think that's why, Lord, that... Paul could have everybody turning against him. He went from being a top-notch Pharisee, Lord, to being a Christian who was persecuted, and yet he could say in a jail cell while singing hymns, um, I'm content. I'm content in what I have, and I'm content to preach Christ and Christ alone crucified. Wow. I would like to have that kind of inner peace. And I think personally, the more we read your word, the more I read your word, Lord, irregardless of what anybody else says or thinks, um, of me or you, I think I'll just have that. And you know, you don't have to tell me, Lord, it's, it's actually fun. And thank you, Lord, for the people at Spotify who actually have made this forum possible, that people get to have their opinions and their two cents, like a, like a guy like me. Really appreciate what you're doing by allowing them to allow me to have this. Very grateful, Lord, and hope they're blessed. And thank you for them. And thank you for this opportunity to speak your word out loud. So bless us now and help us, Lord, as we begin and we end, that we will be transformed and changed. Reading your word is never a waste of time, ever. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says, um, God's word shall not return unto him void. And it's going through our minds, through our hearts. It's actually going into our mental software and God's spirit is being developed. I would like that. I would like that. To have this peace over all the peace that passes understanding. I used to wonder, what are you talking about? Like, that sounds kind of corny and tacky. Like, you can have peace without God, right? You don't need God. Like, it's just a lot of talk, talk, blah, blah, talk. But to me, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, like, it doesn't come from any other source. You can have a sort of a temporal peace, but it sort of wears down. I like to have a like a permanent peace, perma peace. I would like to be able to just smile and be able to tell myself a funny joke. Like, I can just tell, I can just recall my life and it makes me laugh. <laughs> it's so pathetic and bad, you know? So I, I don't really like the way I sound on, when I used to, you know, see videos of myself. I don't like the way I sound, but I hope that, I hope that I sound better uh, to some of you out there who are listening. Um, and I hope that if you get past the non-prettiness of my voice or however I sound, the guttural moanings or guttural words that I speak into the air, compressions and rarefactions of the air molecules, I hope that you're enjoying God's word. Let's read. Treasure in fragile clay jars, Second Corinthians 4. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. I love that. My friends, my friends sent me this motivational post and I just said, I'm a turtle. I'm a plotter, constant and consistent. He said, oh, you're crazy. And then he did the law, law, the LOL thing. And I said, you know, I have a good teacher. And he said, touche. I said, you're the one that told me you got to be a little bit crazy in life to succeed. And he was talking about the bodybuilding, the lifting weights. But I think it's for anything. Got to be a little bit crazy. We reject all shameful de deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. 
I think he's being very transparent. Maybe he has to defend himself against people who are critics. You always have critics. There'll be people who'll be against you just because you're breathing. Always. You'll never get the, you never get the agreement of, of everybody. Like uh, we went to visit some guy once, you know, my wife is from, or my ex, sorry, my ex-wife. That's got quite a ring to it. And we went to visit this man. He was going to this um, Yugoslavian church. So the church called itself Yugoslavian, but my wife is Croatian and actually Yugoslavia died in 1980 when I guess Tito died because he kind of died and then his grip on power um, kind of loosened, right? He was dead and then without him, then Yugoslavia splintered back into its, you know, um, child states like, you know, Croatia, Serbia, um, Macedonia, like like seven of them or something like that. Anyways, so we visit this man and he's obviously in this old age home and it's kind of sad. You know, he, he had a smile on his face, but he was like, I can't get back to the church. Nobody's going to give me a ride. Like he wasn't married or the wife had died or something like that. Like he was trying to get to the church for community, but we weren't living around there. We weren't going to do it and we didn't do it. But anyways, he said, when all agreed, somebody lied. And I thought that's wisdom. People may smile at you and clap to you to face, but they're not for you. Kind of hard to figure out who to trust in life. I say trust in God, and he's going to bring people into your life that you can trust. And, you know, even if things go south, like with my marriage, I think about it now, I have time to think, right? And I think, you know, I, I really don't hate uh, my ex-wife. I think she was one of the nicest people I've ever met. That's why I married her. She was attractive and she was kind to me and she seemed to have, um, you know, some spiritual component. It wasn't just dragging her to church. She wanted to go, right? I wouldn't want to drag somebody to church. Even if they really like me, it's like, do you really go? No, not really. Well, you know, that emotions always wear off. You're a Christian man and you want to date somebody. Honestly, I've seen this on Instagram. The girl says, don't date anybody who's not Christian because you can't turn them into a Christian by dating them. You'll never know if they did it for you or they did it for God. And I guess there'll be always people who are sort of against you. And even the Pharisees and the Jewish were um, the, the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, okay? I don't want to say Jewish because not, not all people, Jewish people hate Jesus as the Messiah. Um, they just didn't like Jesus. And, and the Bible says they were envious of him and I guess seriously, they probably thought to myself, how come God spoke to this guy? Why didn't he speak to us? Because I think they knew deep down that he was telling the truth. Maybe they wanted somebody powerful, somebody who was going to free the Romans. Jesus didn't seem to do that. He was trying to reestablish the connection between us and God and the old covenant wasn't doing a good job. It can't since it's only law, it's not relationships. And, um, but they knew that he was speaking the truth, but they didn't want to hear it because he was accusing them. The truth po was pointing out to them what they really were, not what they believed that they were. That's why truth is so damning. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blind... If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, right? It is hidden only from people who are perishing. Because I meet some people and it's like, have they ever even heard the gospel? Do they want to hear the gospel? Do they, do they not know anything because deep down they don't want to know anything or because they do know something and they don't want to believe it? Like to me, Richard Dawkins is a real smart guy. Like if, but he says that by the age of six, he doesn't believe in God. He thinks it's all a big joke. And 
And he seems like an intelligent man. And yet Romans 1 says everybody knows the truth. The, 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 the truth of the creator is revealed to them. And it seems that maybe people just like, I don't want this. So they have to suppress it down. They have to suppress the truth. And it takes energy out of you. It takes spiritual. So if you take spiritual energy out of a person, you're taking the spirit of joy, love and peace. And you're, you're, you're replacing that with emptiness. What you get is anger and depression and emotional bankruptcy. So why is it hidden from somebody who has so much IQ brains? How come he doesn't have emotional intelligence? He thinks that religion is being used to control people and weaponize against them. But, but maybe those people are being controlled because they don't want the freedom that God is offering by chasing after God and reading his word. I probably didn't say that right. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Like people who, like say conservatives or whatever, calling um, people who are more liberal or more left, they call them woke. Like it's kind of like a sarcasm. Like you think you're woke, but you're actually the one who's asleep. But then the people who don't believe in God, look at the people who do believe in God and said, you're the people that are asleep. You're, you're, you're not woke. Uh, you're unwoke. You're asleep. You're a sheeple. It says here, Satan is blinding people um, for the minds who don't believe. And the Bible says, if a, a man, I think it's in Proverbs. Um, what is that? Um, the man who says there's no God is a fool. I think that's twice in Proverbs. And, and even Richard Dawkins himself said, oh, the Bible says that I'm a fool because I say there's no God. He actually quoted that verse. And I'm thinking, he knows. He's not stupid. I mean, Richard Dawkins is probably very high on the IQ. He's, he's very intellectual. But somehow with all this intelligence, intelligista, all this elitism, his absolute love for Bertrand Russell, which I guess Mr. Russell was very logical and very methodical and, you know, an atheist. Somehow Mr. Dawkins just is not thinking, he looks at God instead of seeing a loving God, a God who allows people to make choices. What he sees is control and weaponizing, the Bible is being weaponized to weaponize against science and you can't, you can't believe in science. Like there's lots of Christians who look at the Old Testament and they say, okay, creation, God works through evolution. I'm not gonna debate that anymore. I personally believe it's creation, um, but I don't really have a lot of evidence for that. And really I'm trusting in God and that's the way I learned it. And I can't let go of it. I don't really wanna let go of it. But if a Christian comes along and says, I think God works through millions of years in evolution and science is just pointing out what's there and, you know, I still believe in God. My friend said, my, he didn't believe in Genesis. He didn't, he, he kind of went John 3.16. That was his, I said, you know, I didn't really understand this and we had some fights, but, but now I do because it's not my job to make you interpret the Bible the same way I do. I'll tell you my interpretation, you tell me yours. And at the end of the day, we're more respectful. We value each other, not our interpretations. Interpretations are second, but some people, they have to be right. They have to be right. Yeah, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, but you better agree with me because you're not as Christian as I am. Okay. <clears throat> Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So people who don't believe, they're just going to have to try to fight for 
They, everything is kind of a, a dogfight. I have to be right. You are wrong. You are just, you're just some faith guy. We've all moved on. We've all moved past religion and Jesus and God. And that was for people who needed a crutch and we're fine by ourselves. Not buying it personally. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. God inspired him to say this, but he said it because he wanted to say it. God did it. Man did it. Satan is trying to prevent it. Like there's a whole lot of hands in the pot, you know, like Dr. Mackey Bible Project. I like him, Tim Mackey. And he showed a picture of one hand. Uh, there's one hand writing and then there's another hand coming out of that hand and it's writing. And he says, you know, the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, but men wrote the Bible. And you don't know which hand is preeminent because it's like both, right? God, God inspired it. God wrote it through the Holy Spirit, but man wrote it. So it's, it's, there's almost this incredible synergy integration. You don't know what's the source and what's the result kind of thing. But we want to see the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the image of God. He never sinned. He talks and thinks and acts the way God talks and thinks and acts. God has a thought and Jesus Christ says it. <laughs> you know, we now have this lightning shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Yeah, we're like, I don't know, this body's made of clay, right? Mud, stuff from the ground. They say the minerals in your body only amount to a dollar. I don't know if that's true or not. And yet, what is your life? What is the spirit? What is your mind? Where's your mind? Okay, your brain is your hardware, but where's your, where's your mind? Where's the software? Where's your soul? What, what part of your brain does that live in? Right? You know, your, your mind streams out from your body, which is like conscious. You know, where did that come from? Where did consciousness come from? How is it that we're conscious? How is it that we have morality? If it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, it's evolution, survival of the fittest, why would we have morals? Why would we have other-centered thinking like you first, me second, I will die so that you may live? That goes against evolution. Evolution is survival of the fittest. You, I must live even if it means you die because I must live to propagate my genes. I must live to propagate my race. It's more like a creature than an actual son of God. We now have this lightning light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars, right? We were made from the dust of the earth. And yet we have the Holy Spirit, which is infinity, the mind of God. Infinity residing in a finite container. So how could that be unless there's power coming from outside? H how did all of this, how did all of this world get to be made? Something came from nothing? You mean something from something makes sense or nothing from nothing makes sense, but something from nothing? That doesn't make sense. It had to come from somewhere. 
We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be also seen in our bodies. We're crucified with Christ, we suffer, you know. It's, it almost make, it makes sense sometimes, like it makes sense. I sometimes feel like it makes sense, but then I lose it just as quickly. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Somehow you suffer for Christ, you participate in his death, but then you participate in his glory. You have that peace that passes understanding from the Holy Spirit. You, you don't, contentment really doesn't come from you. It comes through you from God. Some people seem content, but they don't seem to want God or Jesus. Maybe God or Jesus lives in everybody, um, but it's just that that person just uh, at the core base, at the core base of their life, um, that at the God of the central God of their life is themselves, their own thinking, their own philosophy, some other God, some other way of thinking. They don't think like God's spirit, even though God's spirit has sustained and is sustaining creation as made creation, right? God's spirit hovered over the waters of the earth and God created the universe. Whether it was six years, six days or six billion years or in the Big Bang, that was God's mind, his word. You know, God says something and it's so. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. We serve life and death is hovering around us. Like God said to Cain, he says, uh, you know, death is crouching at the door and its means is for you. It wants you, it wants to feed on you. Yes, we live under constant danger of death. So death is crouching at the door. If you wanna, you know, it's crouching at everybody's door, but especially, you know, we wanna serve the God of the universe, the God who made the universe, but somehow the God who's in this world, this temporal God, this Satan, he's trying to blow turbulence. He's trying to get between us and our heavenly father. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. I think Paul was really one courageous dude. They said he was really small and had a hooked nose and he wasn't pretty to look at, but that's some from some book or some historical record, or maybe it's some, you know, somebody wrote something about him. I have no idea. Wouldn't it be some, when you get to heaven and all these people, you have all these preconceived ideas about, they don't look anything like what you've imagined them to be. Like, I wonder how Jesus looks. Did, did he have long hair like a Nazarene? You know, did he have short hair like a Roman youth? They used to draw him like that until somebody said, well, he's Jewish, so you have to draw him like a Jewish person, right? And and <clears throat> you think of Paul, man, this guy's like taking it all. He's taking a beating left, right, and center. He, he must be like seven feet tall. You meet the guy, he's like five feet, but he's like a spitfire, you know? Um, who else? Samson. They said, oh, Samson, you, you think he's going to be like you know, Goliath of Gath, and he's going to have rippling muscles, and he rips up gates and carries them to the top of the mountain. Then you're going to meet this guy, and he's probably like, uh, you know, 190 pounds soaking wet. But maybe if you punch him in the arm or something, it'll be like punching steel. You just break your hand. I have no idea. I have no idea, right? It's just, I think, I, I mean, you're going to meet the new covenant version of all these people. So what, what was the body like? What were they like on earth? Well, maybe God will show us through a vision. I have no idea. But I think there's going to be like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> You're Samson? <laughs> You're David? I just thought you were bigger. I asked my son, my son, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
and he said one word, Dad, I want to be bigger. <laughs> bigger. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. Wow. That's like the resurrection in 1 Thessalonians 4, man. We're all going up together. He's coming back for us. Like there's a song, it says, um, the Father says to Jesus, go get your children. Go get your children, which is like the moment before Jesus breaks the sky in the second coming. Go get your children. They're God's children. We're God's children. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. It's a homecoming, my friend. It's a reconciliation. It's, it's, it's the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the, the table that never seems to end with all, everybody, all the redeemed of the ages. I'd like to be there. I'd like to, I'm, I'm happy to sit on the farthest, you know, the bleacher section of that table. I don't need to be just as long as I'm at the same table with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God. I, I'd love that. You know, if I don't get to see Abraham or Isaac or Jacob, I'll just kind of like, I'll send them a telepathic summons or something like that. But it's like, even if I can't see Jesus, as long as I'm at the same table, because we're all presented to God and Jesus. I think that's just wonderful. That is why we never give up. Never give up. Constant and consistent. We're the running man. This is the long walk. You remember that long walk story? Okay, I shouldn't tell you that story. It's from a certain horror writer whose name shall remain nameless. <laughs> and uh, you just keep walking. You never rest. Because when you rest, they hurt you badly. We never give up. We're like iron. Iron sharpens iron. Iron never caves in. It never disappears. It never dissipates. It never weakens. It ain't pretty, but you go forward. We're constant and consistent like a turtle plodding forward. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And today you're happier than you were yesterday. And tomorrow you'll be even happier. And the day after and the day after that, you're going to be even happier than you were today. And you're going to love God and Jesus even more than you do today. And you're going to be even less sinful uh, today than you were yesterday. Your sins have been blown away. Like the deaths, like Alderaan. <laughs> Where is it? Why, why is there an asteroid storm here? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It, it's like the, we, we come here. We got the vector coordinates. Alderaan's supposed to be here. Instead, we hit all these asteroids. Well, what happened? I don't know. It's like the planet's been totally blown away. Your sins have been blown away by Jesus on the cross. It's a new beginning, my friends. It's a reset. Eight is the number of new beginnings. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Wow. We're being chiseled for forever. We're the infinity people. We're the forever people. We're homo gestalt. We're integrated into our, into our heavenly father. His mind into our minds and our minds into his mind. We're still individuals and yet we're unified, integrated, connected, collected, redeemed, sanctified, justified, reconciled.
resurrected, redeemed, rejuvenated, refreshed. All the good words start with R. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. I can see God and Jesus in my mind's eye. Don't really know what the reality is, but I see them. I sometimes see when I say stupid things, I, I think Jesus did a face palm. <laughs> the father said to Jesus, is this guy annoying you? No, father, he's not. I died for him. <laughs> Give him another chance. Okay, my son, for your sake, I will. I could see that happening. Lord, when I, I get to heaven, Lord, can I ask you something? Did you have conversations about me to the father? She said, oh, it's all about you now. It wasn't about you, okay? You're just, you're, you're, I saved you. You don't need to know everything, okay? It's not for you to know the times and the seasons of the Father. You're here, aren't you? Just be happy with that. Yes, sir. Stop giving me a hard time, kid. <laughs> okay, thank you. My Heavenly Father will say, by the way, before you go to the beach, I want you to know something, kid. Yes, sir. I love you. I know. Thanks, Father. Ditto. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. I remember reading in a book and the guy said, Oh, heaven, the new existence won't be, won't be like us dressed up in our Sunday best. It'll be a different reality altogether, so vastly different from this weak, meager, paltry uh, uh, reality we find ourselves in now. You won't even believe it, but you'll know that you're real because you know that you're real and you know that it's real. And you know by, you know, and you know by faith right now, it's coming. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Jesus is ready. Are you coming? God bless.